Welcome to episode four of the Adaptation Station. I'm Sage's mom, and this is Sage. Hi! Today we're going to be talking about the Chronicles of Narnia, particularly The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and its movie adaptation. In the second half of our podcast, we also have a special mystery guest who's going to come on and talk about something related to the Chronicles of Narnia, so stay tuned for that. So far, Sage and I have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and we watched the film, uh, the more recent film. We also watched the older film. Uh, And right now we're reading, we also read The Magician's Nephew, which takes place before The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and we are working on Prince Caspian, which has a film as well. Um, But today, since we've only read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe all the way through, we're going to talk about that. Um... So, what happens in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? You've got a a little family of four children, two girls and two boys, and they're in a country house. They've been sent away during the war, and they're playing hide-and-seek. One of them goes through a wardrobe, which, Sage, do you remember what a wardrobe is? Uh Uh-huh. What is it? It's a place where you hang out of your jackets. Right. So, we don't all have wardrobes anymore, because that's a sort of maybe it's a British thing or it's just a larger piece of furniture that we don't have very much anymore but a wardrobe is like a little closet so Lucy the youngest goes through into the wardrobe and she's hiding and then she accidentally stumbles out the back of the wardrobe but instead of having a back what what does she go through into Sage a different magical world a different magical world called Narnia Narnia And she meets a nice fawn there and has a great time. But what Lucy doesn't realize that first trip is that Narnia is in the middle of a sort of long-standing war, kind of, uh, with who's the bad guy in the war. Do you remember? The White Witch. The White Witch, yeah. she's, uh, She's holding Narnia hostage, and in Narnia it's always winter and never Christmas. And... She turns people into stone. She's a really bad character. Um, And so the the next person who goes into the wardrobe is Edmund, Lucy's brother, who didn't believe anything about Narnia, and he was very mean about it. And he ends up in Narnia, and he meets the White Witch. And uh, he is tempted by the White Witch to do not very nice things. Right, Sage? Do you remember what he... What the White Witch gives him? Turkish Delight. Turkish Delight. I, I've got a special treat for you, Sage. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I ordered some Turkish Delight for you. Yeah, I ordered it for you. Can I have a bite? Yes, absolutely. I want, as you're tasting this Turkish Delight, I want you to decide if you had siblings, like brothers and sisters, and you were tempted by an evil witch to betray your siblings, would you betray your siblings for this Turkish delight? Go ahead. Have a, have a bite. Okay. 
Okay, so how is it compared to all the candy you've ever tasted? All the treats. Great. You like it? So that was rose-flavored Turkish Delight. Would you betray your family for that? Okay, right answer. He says no. <laughs> how about this? This is a slightly different Turkish Delight. What is it? Um, this one has coconut and hazelnut. Pretty good? Not it's as, also super good. It's pretty good. Not as good as the rose, though, from your face. No, they're both. They're both really good. I have to say, in the film, the dish that the White Wish has her Turkish Delight in and the Turkish Delight itself looks like the most delectable thing I've ever seen. And Edmund's sort of stuffing it in his mouth. You want more? Yes. Are you addicted to it like Edmund yes. is now? Are you going to get a flush in your face and start acting really mean to people? Uh-oh, he's stuffing them in his mouth. Maybe it is the Turkish... All right, I have to take this away. <laughs> we'll never finish the podcast. That Turkish delight tastes like the White Witch's Turkish delight. I think it's delicious. Okay. More than any other candy. It's your favorite candy now? Yes. Well, if nothing else, that's great that we discovered your favorite candy. I want to eat it for my whole life. If anybody wants to see the Turkish Delight, I'm going to post a picture of it on our Instagram so you can check it out. It really does look delicious. All right. So anyway, I, uh, I personally don't think I would betray my family for Turkish Delight. And I thought that that you would say, haha, this isn't worth betraying your family. But maybe that little experiment backfired a little bit because you seem to really like it. So now I don't even want to know if you would betray me for the Turkish Delight. I wouldn't betray you, but I would eat it. Oh, so you would take the witch's candy and then just never come back. That would be smart, because you'd get the candy, but your family would be safe. I like your angle, Sage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the film, Sage, uh, when you were watching the film, there were a lot of things that they had to do that were very magical, like talking animals... And particularly Aslan is a giant talking lion. Do you feel like the film was as good as your imagination? It was super great. I like that the White Witch was super cool. She was cool. Scary but cool. Yeah. And it was cool that she actually looked white. And she was, like, free white. Yeah, they did a great job with her costume and her makeup. Yes. She was terrible but beautiful, just like she was in the books. Um, well, we don't want to say too much about, you know, the ending of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but do we recommend this book and movie to our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would recommend it. Uh, it's definitely gotten our imaginations going. Every time we see magical looking doors now or even ordinary doors we're always speculating is this the door to narnia because the book says it could be anywhere at any time so let us know go around trying some doors and let us know if you find the door to narnia and we'd love to hear about that and we'd also love to visit narnia so if you could invite us over to go through your narnia door we would really appreciate it right sage yep so that concludes the our discussion of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If there's anything that we didn't get around to talking about or anything you'd like us to add, please feel free to write in to us. We'd love to hear from people who enjoyed that book or did not enjoy it. We'd like to say something about it. 
Up next, I have a special treat for you. We have a guest, Oscar. He's a friend of Sage's. He's coming on to talk to us about J.R.R. Tolkien. And we're going to talk about Tolkien's work. We're going to be talking about how Tolkien is related to C.S. Lewis, how they fit in together. And we're going to have a great discussion. Um, Just a caveat, when we recorded this, Sage stepped out of the room and I conducted the interview. But you can kind of hear Sage's voice in the background because he is having a nice little chat with his friend in the other room. So try to ignore that and listen to this great interview with Oscar. So, which which of Tolkien's books have you read so far? I have read The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Um, and how many books are in The Lord of the Rings? Three. Three in total. Mm-hmm. All right. Have you seen any of the movies? I have finished the first movie. Not yet have I seen the second or the third. Did you see the movie of The Hobbit? Yes. Yes, you did. All three. Okay. Did you see the animated Hobbit? Yes. Okay, so for our listeners who are looking for a book-to-movie project, this is rich with potential because not only do you have a live-action movie, but you also have a animated movie that you could watch of The Hobbit. Uh, would you recommend the listeners read The Hobbit? Is it yes, I believe that more people should appreciate them because not many people read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and books like that in, at school. Definitely at, not at, a lot of kids, yeah. No, not at all. But they're missing out. Mm-hmm. It's very good books. Okay, great. So the reason that we've asked Oscar in to talk with us today is because Sage and I read Narnia and watched the movies, and I'm not sure if the listeners know this, but C.S. Lewis, the author of Narnia, was actual real-life friends with J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings. So the two topics go together really well. Um, Oscar, do you... I think we had a conversation once where you told me some things about Tolkien in real life. Do you remember any of those things? Um, I believe... I remember that he and C.S. Lewis both had a club called The Inklings at Oxford with other writers, and they would talk about their books that they're writing, or things like, or books, basically. Yeah. How cool would it be to be a member of that club? I would like it a lot. I would like that, too, Mm -hmm. a lot. If we made a time-traveling machine, I think that's a place that I would like to go. Yes. And hear them reading their early manuscripts. I'm sure they had some critiques for each Mm -hmm. other. You know what critique, critiques are? No, I actually, I don't know. Okay, a critique is like kind of a nice way of saying a criticism. Hmm. Because when you're in a writing group, somebody wants your honest opinion. Like, I just wrote 900 pages of Lord of the Rings. Tell me what you really think. Mm-hmm. And then your writing club buddy has to tell you, well, you know, this part in Mordor gets a little depressing. You might want to mm-hmm. fix that up. You know, and that's a critique. You have to take their criticism and say, okay, yeah. I'll work on that. Constructive criticism. Exactly, exactly. 
While we're discussing the writing process, Oscar, I remember in our conversation you also told me some interesting things about how The Hobbit was published and sort of, I guess, discovered or... Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us something about that? Yes. So his student one time in Oxford, she read The Unfinished Hobbit and very much liked it. Mm-hmm. And later on, when she grew up, she went to be in a publishing house and she took the book and gave it to the publishing house and the publishing house published it because the head of the publishing house gave it to his child. His child wrote a book report, which earned him 10 shillings, which... It's good money for a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then he... And then his father, if he got paid for for that book report, he thought, this must be a good book. I'm going to publish it, and published it. And that's really how The Hobbit got published. That's so cool, because this is a podcast made by kids for kids. And at this point, we've got kids making podcasts, kids reviewing books. What are kids not doing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. A kid was in charge of saying, yes, The Hobbit's a good book. Mm-hmm. And thank you to that kid, because we all get to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, Oscar, do you know what an elevator pitch is? No. So elevator pitch is like you imagine you're stuck in an elevator with someone and you have just a couple minutes to tell them something exciting about what you want to share with them and you just got to tell it to them really quick. If you had, say this is a really tall building though because The Hobbit's a really long book. Say you have about 50 stories in an elevator with someone. Mm -hmm. How would you explain the joy of The Hobbit to them or like how does the book start or why should they read it? Well I think as all most people know if they have heard of The Hobbit Mm -hmm. it starts in a hole in the ground. Mm -hmm. They love The Hobbit and Bilbo Baggins The Hobbit was li- having a normal day, smoking some pi- a pipe, mm-hmm. when Gandalf came and said, do you want to come on an adventure? And Bilbo, as a hobbit, said no and went in. <laughs> but the next day, 13 dwarves came. They just show up. With Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Which starts his adventure going to the Lonely Mountain, which I believe is north of there, and then they, and then coming back, and during that they have various encounters with different people, including goblins and and um Gollum, but eventually they get to the Lonely Mountain, and then eventually they also have the Bow Five Armies. Which ends terribly. As battles generally do. As battles Mm -hmm. generally do. And then he goes back, and that's pretty much what happens in The Hobbit. Okay. Well, if you would pitch that to me in an elevator, I would run to Barnes & Noble right now and pick it up, because that's a... It's it's a good synopsis, Mm because you don't tell us much, but you tell us enough to to interest Mm -hmm. us. So, for our listeners who are thinking The Hobbit sounds really good, uh, and they want to check that out, and then watch the movie, uh, we wanted to let you know that the animation, the Hobbit animation, which I think was done in the 90s, maybe? No? Further? 80s? It was a while ago. 
Nope, 70s? Uh, Oscar's mom is here, and she's letting me know that I need to look this up later and get better info. Uh, so you look that up for yourself to find out when the Hobbit film was made. But for the younger audience, maybe the animation would be nicer for you. Mm-hmm. And then, Oscar, the live-action um, film it has a little bit of scary content, and mm-hmm. we were trying to decide on an age that would be... It's hard to... It's hard to say exactly what age would be appropriate. Just have in mind that there's a little bit of violence uh, with swords and such. And there's some, probably some monster type, some scary monster types. creepy orcs. Some creepy orcs that might make you a little scared. So keep that in mind. Um, Age-wise, we were saying, you know, 10-ish, maybe? 10-and-up. The third movie is, in my opinion, the scariest because it's about five armies where there are a lot of fight. There's a lot of fighting. Yeah, there's a lot of and fighting. a lot of people die. Yeah, and a lot of orcs. And a lot of orcs. So, like anything, you uh, if you think you're ready for it, check it out. But if it starts to get scary or it's not your cup of tea, you can just step away. No problem. So, Oscar, you mentioned that. Not a ton of kids are picking up The Hobbit and reading it. Uh, For one thing, it's a little bit on the long side. Uh, What else do you think might be preventing kids from reading The Hobbit? Some other things I think that some people might find Mm off-putting. Like the different languages, like Dwarvish and Elvish. They are. They could be troublesome at some points because they, you could be very. You could wonder what they're about, but after a sort of while, you can sort. You sort of like forget about it, and and it doesn't annoy you as much. I see. So you'd say so. The book is worth it, right? To keep to keep at it, and yes. if you just keep keep at it, eventually you'll kind of get a, a sense of the language, and it won't be so hard to. To read it. Yeah. Okay, that's a good tip. That's a good tip for any longer book, because Mm -hmm. when you're a little bit younger, you're transitioning from shorter books to longer books, it can be a little discouraging seeing that giant spine or seeing words that you're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And that's a good tip to just, you know, skip over the words that you don't understand and just get a sense of the story. Some, the way that they speak will sometimes be strange and some people might not understand it Mm -hmm. and after a while you'll sort of understand it um so if you keep on reading you'll understand it more but if you just stop the second you hit it you'll you'll never exactly oscar do you so do you know the difference do you know the words poetry and prose you familiar with that? I know poetry, not prose. Prose is just the opposite of poetry. Oh. It's not rhyming. It Novels are prose, mm-hmm. short stories are prose, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, newspaper articles, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, I believe, there's a little mix of poetry and prose in The Hobbit. Is, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, can you say a bit about where the poetry crops up and what it is usually in the songs there will be poetry like misty mountains court has a lot of poetry Mm -hmm. but then there are parts of the book that don't have poetry there's a song at the end which has 
a lot of um, poetry. It's it's like about the it's the elves, I believe, singing about the um, the dwarves and the and Bilbo. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. I'm not sure, but I there's poetry in there. Mm-hmm. Then there's poetry like in nearly all of the songs. Okay. Well, I I wondered because there's a really cool song in The Hobbit about the Misty Mountain in the mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Was that in the book too? Yes, it's yes. the second song. I really like that they set it to music and it has a really eerie sound to it, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody who likes poetry and prose, I'm just saying that this book has a little something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was all super interesting, and I can't thank Oscar enough for coming and talking with us today. Um, hopefully Oscar will read some more books and become an expert on something else, and he can be on a future episode with us. That would be really cool. Uh, until our next episode, as always, if you'd like to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about suggestions or things you'd like to hear us talk about, or if you read books and watch your own movies about those books, we would love to hear how that goes. Until the next episode.